0: Right. Do you ever feel weak? I think that, um, Christine, that was a good introduction. Are there times in your life where you feel weak, like you haven't got what it takes, like life is maybe a bit too hard, and maybe you even feel like, who am I anyway? You know, who am I to do anything that could make a difference for anybody? Have you ever felt like that? Well, if you have, I certainly have. And um, so this message today is an encouragement. It's a message of encouragement, particularly for people who feel maybe weak in their faith. They feel maybe that, you know, I know I should have more faith, but I struggle with the situation. I struggle with circumstances, and sometimes I find it hard to trust God. Well, this today, I believe this message is for you because this today, we're looking at Gideon from Judges. He was a judge at, in Israel. And this story is a story about how the Lord used a man of weak faith to deliver Israel. An incredible deliverance, but he struggled with fear. And so I think this morning, this will be an encouragement to us. Last week, Jess talked about Moses just before they were entering the promised land. Today, the story that Israelites are in the Promised Land now—they've been, they've come into it, and they've been, they've settled, and they are farmers in the Promised Land. The interesting thing is that um, God had brought them through all of this incredible journey, showing His hand to them in such incredible ways—parting the Red Sea, you know, all these things that had happened, providing food for them, water for them, everything. And here they are in Israel, and they've actually wandered away from God. He's brought them to this wonderful place, and now they are farmers, and they are worshipping the gods of Baal and Asherah, because they were the gods of the land. And uh, what those gods promised was abundant rains and good harvest. And so they thought, oh, well, that's good. That's what we want. Let's worship these gods. So they turned their back on Yahweh, who was God, and, uh, and gone that way. Not only that, there were some neighbouring countries, the Midianites, who would come down every spring and plunder their crops and they would slaughter their livestock and they would leave them starving and without a livelihood. And they'd been doing that for seven years. And so this is the Israelites. And uh, so who do they turn to when they're really desperate? God. And so not in repentance though, not in repentance because they've turned wandered away from him. They just turned to him in desperation. Who else can we go to? But God, God might help us out in this. So they've been unfaithful and they've been faithless through all this time. But we've been singing this morning that God is good and he is faithful. God cannot deny his nature. So what does he do? He sends someone to deliver these people to help them because that is what he's like. He loves us, he's a good God and so that's what he does. And so he proves himself faithful even although they aren't. And I think this highlights today what I wanna really look at and the fact that our relationship with God depends more on his grace than on our faith. It depends more on his grace than on our faith. Now, although Gideon is listed as a hero of faith in Hebrews 11, if you ever look at that chapter, there's a chapter there that lists all these people who are called faithful men and women. They're, it's called the, the hall of faith and they're heroes. And Gideon, despite his story, is listed there because he constantly, like, he, like it's not because of this, he actually struggled with fear. He struggled with fear and he struggled with having the faith to do what God called him to do. And yet the more I read this story, the more I'm convinced that what this story is to teach us is more about who God is than about who Gideon is. And so let's look at who God is in this story. And there's three different sections in the story where we're going to look at today. I can't go to the whole story because it would take too long. When I originally did the message, it was double 40 pages, and um, so I had to sort of work to bring it right down to half of that. That's, that's 20 pages, but that's sort of at this size font, okay? So it's okay. <laughs> so it's not like 20 A4 pages, because <laughs> so I don't have to put my glasses on when I'm preaching. And um, so we're going to look at three situations where God shows up and shows that he is faithful even when Gideon is afraid, And that's what God wants you to know today. Honestly, if you don't hear anything else of the message today, I want you to hear this. God is faithful to you, even when you are afraid, even when you are faithless, even when you are unfaithful. God is faithful to you because he's good and he loves you. So if you have your Bibles here, I did have my Bible because I really wanted to read from the, the actual pages this morning. But when I put on my glasses, the text was still not big enough. So I'll have to go up in size if I want to read from the Bible. So I'm going to to read from electronically. So if you could turn to Judges 6, if you have your phones or your Bibles here, Judges 6, and we're going to start at verse 11. And uh, if you have your phones, then you can put it to the NIV translation, because that's what I'm reading from. So listen to the story. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep hidden from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior uh, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of oil, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. So in this situation we have Gideon threshing wheat in the wine press. Now this actual picture is a picture of defeat because that's the last place you should be threshing wheat. Where you should be threshing it is on the hill in the wind and it's pointless to try and do it in the wine press. So press. So this scene is deeply ironic. Because the angel of the Lord is calling Gideon a mighty warrior. And yet here he is hiding away, afraid of the Midianites and trying to do something that's impossible to do in that place. Gideon is the furthest thing from a mighty warrior in this scene that you can imagine. And yet God tells him that he has been chosen to deliver Israel. And most importantly, he said, I will be with you. Gideon's afraid, but God is faithful. He is with him. And that's what we need to keep realising through the story. Gideon does not see himself the way God does, but God is saying, mighty warrior, I will be with you. Because God is faithful even when we are afraid. Then the story continues in verse 25. Let's go on. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople. He did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. So the people of the town demanded of Joash Bring out your son, he must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Joash is the father, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar." So this is actually a very scary and dangerous mission that Gideon has, ta- has taken on. It would be like going into the Middle East, into a small town and destroying the mosque, their only mosque. You would be scared for your life if you were to do something like that. But not only added to that, Joash, his father, is the main priest of Baal in the town. So Gideon is not only taking into his hands his life and freedom, but also the alienation of his whole family. But the important thing to note here is that Gideon does it. God has asked him to do it. He's scared. He's afraid. He does it in a way that he could perhaps not be found out, but he does it. And that's an important part to note. And I'll come back to that later. And the good thing about this is when he does it, he prospers as a result. And he becomes a walking testimony to Baal's powerlessness. Because when we go on in, in those verses, you'll see the people wanted to kill him because he destroyed the, the um, altar. But what happened in the end is that Gideon blows a trumpet, and suddenly all these people who are going to kill him. Come and gather around him, rally to become a part of his army to fight the Midianites. And four of the tribes of Israel around him came and joined too. So suddenly, Gideon has been transformed from a cowardly farmer into a mighty warrior, and that's really important to note. Now, there's the third situation we're going to def- that finishes off that chapter. But before we do, let's just remember what has happened to Gideon so far, right? He's had the angel of God appear to him. I think that would probably be enough for me to be convinced and probably to know that uh, I can keep going forward. If the angel of God actually appeared to me face to face, I think that would give me great confidence. So he's had that. He's He's had God actually speak to him a promise that he would be with him no matter what. God's spoken that to him directly. God has given him signs. He's seen miracles. He's destroyed Baal's altar and proven that promise that God is with him. And the situation's totally reversed, where he should have been killed a few verses ago by those people. Now we see him on top and the stronger because of that. And he's got not only his clan, but also the the nations, the the tribes of Israel around him rallying to support him. Now, I would think with all of that happening, you would feel in a fairly confident position, don't you think? Don't you think by then, if you've seen God, he's spoken to, he's promised, he's come good on his promise, the people are all around you, they're all with you, you've got the army, you're ready to go. you'd, You'd probably be thinking, yes, Gideon, you could do this, you can go forward with this. So here he stands on the brink of his biggest victory. And let's look at verse 36 and read to the end of the chapter of Judges 6. Gideon said to God, remember this is where he's standing after all this has happened and God's God's called him to go and defeat the Midianites. And Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel, if, doesn't sound confident that word, what if, you know, what if God, this happens, or what if that, or what if that? If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, God, don't be angry with me. Let me just make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. So Gideon's still afraid, even after all of that. And he's just wanting this, wanting God, wanting to know. He's asking God for this sign And despite the fact that God has been so faithful, he's still afraid. And I think that helps us to see that God understands. Because God answered his prayer. God understands that we feel afraid and we struggle with fear. And he even understands that that weakens our faith. But why does it weaken it? Because we focus on our fears rather than on God. And when we focus on the circumstance, let me tell you, the circumstances are overwhelming. They are. And when you focus on them, it's hard to have confidence. It's hard to be strong in the midst of that. But if we focus on God's grace, if we focus on his faithfulness, if we focus on his power, that will change everything. Now, some people interpret this part of the story as if Gideon is seeking for guidance. He's trying to say, well, God, you know, show me the way. He's not. This is not a prayer for guidance. Some people do throw out fleeces to God wanting to be sure that they're going in the right direction and they're not 100% confident. Maybe they haven't heard directly from God and they're not sure, so they're trying to determine and they only want to go God's way. But, but Gideon, actually, it's not about guidance, in order to determine the will of God. He already knows the will of God. God has told him that face to face. He's spoken the will to him. So there's no question actually in Gideon's mind of what God wants him to do. He isn't in a position in his life where he's about to decide, you know, God, which university to go to. You know, you might want to pray about that and ask God to guide you or maybe who I should marry or what job to take. He knows all too well what he has to do and that's the problem. He's being faced with a situation in which he's being called by God himself to do something that seems impossible. He's being called to do something that he knows in his own power he can't do. And sometimes we turn things into guidance issues that are really obedience issues. You see, we're trying to seek out, but we know what God's saying to us. Because the word of God, he's spoken to us through his word and he clearly says how we should act, behave, do. He says it to us, he's said it to us already and suddenly we're saying, well God, if you could show me. But in fact, he's saying no, I'm calling you to obey. And so we need to be careful that we're not trying to make obedience issues into guidance issues and then we try and figure it out and think we come up with the answer, which it doesn't even align with the word of God. And Gideon was actually being called to act on God's word. God had spoken it directly to him and he's afraid. If we look back over that story again, I'm... Re, re, you know, reviewing it because we have to understand Gideon's situation and who God is in all of this. When, when God says to him, Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon doesn't say, yes, finally, I knew, I knew within me I had it and now God sees it and he's bringing it out of me. No, God, Gideon says, if God's with me, then why am I so scared? Why are the Israelites being defeated and I'm being defeated? When the Lord tells him to deliver Israel, he says, How can I? I'm pathetic. I'm the weakest in my clan and my clan is the smallest and I have no power to deliver Israel. He sees himself as pathetic. But God affirms his promise and he gives him a sign, a miraculous sign. But when the angel speaks to him... And he realizes that they're going to deliver the Midianites. He doesn't say, Great, we're going to destroy them. He says, Oh no, I'm going to die. I've seen God face to face. Woe is me, I'm a dead man. All the time, God's showing up, but he keeps struggling with this fear. When he's told to tear down Baal's altar, remember, he went in the middle of the night, he probably snuck out and did it, and then quickly got back into bed, hoping the lynch mob didn't arrive too soon. And then even after the tribes have rallied around him and they're all set, ready, he's casting this fleece before God. It's because when we focus on our fears, it shrivels our faith. And if you you want your faith to grow, focus on God. Focus on who He is. Focus on what He says He'll do. Focus on how He's delivered you before. Focus on God and your faith will grow. But as soon as you look down, as soon as you look at the circumstances, they are big enough to shrivel your faith. And you know, at this moment, this is Gideon's finest hour and yet it's his darkest moment. Because when he is facing this challenge, he's afraid and wants to say, for God to say over and over and over again that he will deliver him. And we're the same, we are desperate to know that God will be with us, that we're not alone. So I want to look at three things, really briefly, They're just, I'm just outlining them to you, I'm not going to expand on them, that God is saying through this story. The first thing is this, God is telling us we don't have to have perfect faith. He will show us grace in our fear. You might think, it's no use me doing it because I, I struggle to trust well, that's okay. God understands that. You don't have to be perfect in your faith to step out because God will show you grace. The second thing is this. It's better to obey hesitantly than not at all. It's better to just think, oh, I don't know that I can do this. I'm hopeless. I'm not good. But, but God, I'll, I will try. We're better to do it that way than not to obey at all. And the third thing is this when we obey, even if we are afraid and our faith is weak, God will be faithful to you and He will use you. He will. He's promised, He's shown us, and He will. So I want to encourage you today whatever challenge you're facing in your life, and I think we all face challenges. Do you agree? So whatever challenge you are facing in your life, you don't have to get rid of all your fear and doubt before you step out in faith. Whatever altar you're standing in front of and you know it, you have to tear it down. That's not right. It's against what God wants. Whatever altar that is, you don't have to get rid of all your fear and doubt before you step out in faith. Whatever battle is on the horizon for you tomorrow or you may be in right now, you don't have to get rid of your fear and doubt because God will be faithful to you as you take that step. He'll be right there. In fact, he's there before you've even taken it. I know that people have received words from God that he's given them commands and that you know it's true. And you need to act on it. Whether it's an addiction you need to break, or a relationship you need to end, or maybe there's someone you need to apologise to, or reach out to, or reconcile with, or maybe there's a tough decision that you're trying to make and you know what the consequences of that decision will be. It's okay to do it afraid. God will be there with you. In fact, He's gone before you and He is faithful and He will help you. You just have to take the first step. Faith is action, faith actually is obeying God, and God's grace uses weak faith. Earlier, I referred to the Hall of Faith. In Hebrews 11 it records a list of characters from the Old Testament who were exemplary heroes of faith. And despite Gideon's fear, his doubts about God's promise to be with him and his repeated testing of God, Gideon's there. He's listed in Hebrews 11:32. He's recorded alongside of other characters like Moses and Abraham and David and Samson and Samuel. He's there. As an exemplary hero of faith, how is that? When we first meet Gideon threshing in the wine press, the angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's not a joke or an insult or even a promise. But ultimately, God knows what's going to happen. And he will save Israel and he, he will fight the Midianites and Gideon will With God's power, deliver Israel from them. He proves himself to be a mighty warrior. But here's what we need to see. From the moment the angel appears and calls to Gideon, he calls Gideon according to what he will be, not what he is. He calls him according to what he will be by God's grace, not what he is at the time. At the time, Gideon is a fearful man, hiding in the cave, hiding away from his problems. And yet God sees him and calls him what he will be, mighty warrior. And you know, in Romans 8, 37, it says the same thing of us in Christ. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. This morning, I'm saying to you, you are more than a conqueror. That's your name. God is saying to you, you are a conqueror through Christ who loved us. You know, Jesus once, once faced this challenge of faith. He was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he knelt there, knowing what was going to be before him. Knowing how he was going to suffer and carry the weight of our sin. Knowing what that would mean. And he was faced with this challenge of faith. Do you think, he was human. Do you think that he felt afraid? Do you think that he felt fear? He did. It says he sweat drops of blood. He was so afraid. And he even prays to God and says, if it's possible, can you let this be taken away from me? Is there no other way? It wasn't easy for Jesus to go to the cross with what lay before him. To bear our sin, our fear, our faithlessness. But because he did, because he was obedient, because he stepped out and did what God asked, he conquered our sin, he conquered our fear, he conquered our faithlessness. And we are able to say with him, we are more than conquerors through Christ. We are mighty warriors by God's grace. If you are in Christ, then God sees you not according to what you feel like or what you are right now, maybe a bit afraid, maybe timid, maybe struggling to have faith in the face of all that's before you, but he sees you as more than a conqueror through Christ. And God calls us by his grace according to what we will be through Christ, not what we are right now in our weakness. And yes, by ourselves we are afraid and we are hiding in the wine press. But in Christ, in Jesus, because of what he has done, we are more than conquerors, we are mighty warriors. And because our Lord is a God of grace, we can come to him even with weak faith. I read this, obedience is necessary. Heroism is optional. The Lord is with you. I say this to you this morning. Could you stand, please? Because I think mighty warriors stand. Let's stand this morning on what God is saying to us. The Lord is with you. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus, through his grace. You are a mighty warrior through him. And whatever lies the enemy is telling you and whatever fear is in your heart, that's okay. God understands. But look up. Look up to who he is. See who he is rather than your circumstance and let him outwork the truth of who you are and you will see victory like you've never seen before. You may have to do it. To be all in, to have all in faith, most of the time you have to do it scared, okay? But do it. That's all God's saying, just do it. And he will be faithful and he will be with you. Let's pray. Dear God, our Father, I thank you for everybody here this morning. I thank you that you see us through the eyes of Christ, that you see us as who we can be in you, not who we feel and we are as we sometimes shiver in our boots, Lord, as we feel afraid and the circumstances seem overwhelming, Lord, and we feel like we can't do it. But God, help us to lift our eyes to you and to see in you all things are possible. No, in our own strength, we can't do it. But in you, God, we can do all things through you who give us the strength. We thank you, God, for your understanding of our humanness. Our, your understanding of who we are. But thank you also for not leaving us there. Thank you for giving us Jesus so that He, we can see he faced the most difficult challenge of all and he rose to it and he conquered so that we can conquer today. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. You promise that you will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is fixed on you. Oh God, help us to do that. Help us to help each other to do that. And help us to remember that the truth of this story, the most important part, that you are faithful and that you will always be with us. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.